Thank you for tuning in to the Turn on the Jets podcast. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And just a few minutes, you are going to hear Joe Caparoso talk to Michael Salfino of the Wall Street Journal and 538. They're going to talk a lot about Sam Darnold and what they expect from him, including how quickly they think he'll start. It's going to be an outstanding show, but first I just want to remind you about all the other great programs on Turn on the Jets Digital, including my show, Play Like a Jet, which airs Fridays, brand new episodes, and we're going to get into part three of our discussion with Albert Breer of SI.com and MMQB about the road to Sam Darnold, the three-year journey to get to the man that the Jets hope will be their franchise quarterback. Albert wrote an outstanding piece in SI.com and MMQB where he had access to all of the Jets' key decision makers and went through the entire process of what led to the drafting of Sam Darnold. We've been going through it bit by bit, piece by piece, and we will do that with part three on Friday. Don't forget also Friday on that very show is when I will announce the name of the legend of the New York Airwaves who will be joining the TOJ Digital Network of Podcasts. I'm really excited to have him aboard, and I can't wait for you to hear about it. That's going to be Friday on Play Like a Jet when we get into part three of our discussion with Albert Breer. Buck the Trend is Saturday, a brand new episode with Dan Essien. He's going to be talking about the players, the general managers, the coaches, everybody who has helped to work advance the game of football, all the trendsetters, if you will. Plus, we've got another sneak preview edition of Know Your Foe, your weekly look in-depth at the Jets' 2018 opponents. We're not going to be starting the show officially until just before the Jets' first preseason game, August 10th. However... We do have eight minutes of intel this week. Michael Nania for eight minutes takes you through some solid fun facts from the Jets' first half of the 2018 schedule. Make sure you listen to that. That'll be on the Play Like a Jet feed, actually, because it's only a preview and we don't have the Know Your Foe feed up and running just yet. We'll have that in August when the preseason starts. And also this week, the debut of the TOJ Film Room with Joe Blewett. He's got special guest Mark Schofield this week to break down the film of the Jets' quarterback room, including Josh McCown, Teddy Bridgewater, and some guy named Sam Darnold. So there's your look at this week in TOJ Digital. And with all that said, let's get to the flagship show. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast, presented by Prime Sport. With the third pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Sam Darnold, quarterback, USC. What should the Jets expect from you? Um, a lot of wins. And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. This week, we are joined by Michael Salafino, who's a contributor to the Wall Street Journal and 538, among other places. Uh, has been covering the New York Jets pretty thoroughly on Twitter as well. Uh, we're going to talk about Sam Darnold, the case for him playing early in the season, if not week one. Also about the general expectations around the New York Jets heading into 2018 and whether they are reasonable or unreasonable uh, as they currently stand with training camp a few weeks out. This was a really good, uh, pretty wide-ranging discussion, uh, so make sure uh, you listen through to the entire thing. Before we jump into the interview with Michael, want to remind you guys that this podcast is brought to you by Razor Sport. 
R-A-Z-E-R-S-P-O-R-T.com. Make sure to check out their website and join the members section for the best gambling advice you can get. Football season is almost here. Sports gambling is legal if you are in New Jersey. So before you go down to Atlantic City or go to wherever you place your wagers, you're going to want to get advice from our friends at Razor Sport. Give them a follow on on Twitter at Razor Sport Club. Check out their website at R-A-Z-E-R-S-P-O-R-T.com and join that members section. Also, we did have John Razor, who was the owner on a podcast, I think like about four weeks back. Uh, still, it was an evergreen podcast about some lines to consider around the NFL and the New York Jets this year. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, make sure to go back in our archive and give that a listen. And while you're doing that, Give us a review and rating on iTunes. I think we're at 199 right now. So push us up over 200 ratings. It helps our searchability, helps us expand the reach of the podcast. We're also available on Google Play, Spotify, and on our turnonthejets.com website. Also a friendly reminder to subscribe to the other podcasts within the network. Play Like a Jet podcast, our newly launched TOJ Film Room podcast hosted by Joe Blewett, who will be joined by Mark Schofield in episode one. We'll have that up on Libsyn and our, and our Turn on the Jets YouTube channel. We do have a YouTube channel. It's Turn on the Jets uh, TV is the URL, but we'll share that around on Twitter so you guys could follow along. There'll be a couple episodes of that on Libsyn uh, before we get it into an iTunes feed. We also, of course, have the Jet Take draft season, Buck the Trend, hosted by Daniel Eason, and Stick to the Jets, hosted by Connor Rogers, uh, continuing to push forward here as we get a little closer to the season. Uh, before we move forward, I uh, want to give a big shout-out and thanks to Prime Sport, who's worked with us on the podcast uh, for, I think, about a year, two and a half years now. Uh, they are reorganizing some things over there, and we're likely going to resume our relationship at some point when the season gets here, but they've been a great partner for us uh, over the past few years in helping us grow and expand so still recommend checking out primesport.com and recommend giving them a follow on twitter and facebook the good news is that uh, we have a brand new sponsor that we're going to be excited to announce in the coming week or so we'll probably announce that on next week's podcast but uh, a new business that we will be partnering with for the 2018 season which i think is going to help us not just expand our podcast but also help expand our events and our reach Uh, to some of our local fans in the New Jersey, New York area. So we're really excited about that and excited that people are still interested in supporting this podcast and helping it grow. So we'll have more info on that coming out in the coming weeks. All right. Last, last reminder, because I can't forget, we're about 50 followers away on Instagram from hitting 1,000. Let's get us into the four digits. It's turnonthejets underscore IG. Hit that follow button. We will be posting content every day when the season gets here. We'll be doing live Q&As. We'll be doing Instagram Lives from practice. We'll be doing Instagram Stories from practice, from games. Give it a follow now. Get ahead of the curve. And we are now joined by this week's guest, Michael Salafino, who's a contributor to 538, Wall Street Journal, among other places. Michael, first time on the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Hey, it's my pleasure, man. Always always, uh, eager to talk about the Jets. Absolutely. I think... Let's dive right into talking Sam Darnold. A little later in our conversation, we'll talk more about general expectations around the team heading into 2018 and sort of where they sit at right now. But I believe both of us, judging from our tweets, are aligned that the Jets should not be shy about playing Sam Darnold early this year, as early as week one, and that it almost should be the expectation among fans for this team that you're going to see plenty of Sam Darnold this year. I think a lot of people 
the week or so after he was drafted, we're talking about seeing Josh McCown for eight to 10 games or curious about Teddy Bridgewater. I think that sentiment's gradually started to change, but what is the case for both playing Sam Darnold early and expecting to see him play early with this current team? Well, the last time I studied this extensively for the Wall Street Journal, um, which was in 2014, where we had a lot of historical data, there was just no statistical difference between quarterbacks who started their first game and waited to start, you know, uh, first round quarterbacks. Uh, they're, they're passer rating for their first X number of games. I forget what we did was virtually identical, regardless of how their, their career actually began. Um, the other the other thing that I think is important is this century of the 13 quarterbacks who were drafted top five overall, 10 have started their first game, um, the, the first possible game that they could have start, started. So that's about what, like 77%. So basically uh, chalk is that there's a 77% chance that Darnold, if he's just an, an average, if he's just average at sort of adapting to NFL life as a top five pick will start, the first game. And it seems based on the reports that you're getting from camp and the conversation with the beat writers, uh, with the coaches, I went to camp just for a day to kind of just like ferret this around, you know, with the media. Uh, it seems that Darnold is, uh, well ahead of that curve despite his young age. So I, I would, I would be very surprised at this point if Darnold was not the week one starter for the Jets. What about Jet fans who are still constantly curious and asking about Teddy Bridgewater? I would say one of the more interesting things about this offseason for me is that I would say even maybe more than Darnold, I get more questions about Bridgewater than any player on the roster. And I don't know if that's just because there's so many questions around him or because he's still only 25 and it's rare for the Jets to have potentially multiple options at the quarterback position. I still am operating under the assumption that I don't think we're going to see Teddy Bridgewater start any games for the Jets. I think it's more likely he's traded before week one than anything, unless he, I don't know, unless something somewhat unexpected happens. So what are your expectations for Bridgewater, where his NFL career is headed this year and beyond? Yeah, it's the old NFL saw. When you have two quarterbacks, you don't really have any. Um, I, I would, I think uh, it's a math problem, too, with Bridgewater on the team. There's just so many reps to go around. Now, when the Jets got Bridgewater, I think it was a good hedge play in case things went horribly as far as the draft pick and trading up. Um, uh, once they lost Cousins, it was a real cheap upside play. I think that if he looks good at camp, and, and when you go to the camp, I mean, he looks okay. His knee doesn't seem to be that much of an issue, but his arm is like clearly like the third best. Like there's no comparison. When you could tell his throws compared to the throws of McCown and especially Darnold. So um, I, I, I mean, he may have marginally marginal upside as a as a starting quarterback. I think um, you know Mike Lombardi. I think talked about how uh, perhaps Bridgewater could be traded to the Bucks to kind of light a fire under Jameis Winston to get him to, you know, uh, comport himself uh, like, a, like a professional, you know, on and off the field. So that's, a, I guess, a possibility. I don't know, like, what kind of currency that you could get for Bridgewater at this point. You know, I would say, like, maybe, like, a fourth-round pick or something. But I'd, I'd, be, I'd be very surprised if Bridgewater was even on the team. I think that guaranteed salary kicks in. And even though the Jets are well under the cap, no owner's going to really want to spend, you know, $6 million out of their pocket for a guy that just really doesn't have a function. He doesn't have a utility value on the team. I mean, Darnold is clearly the quarterback uh, of the future and probably the present, and McCown is kind of the player coach. 
moving more towards the general expectations around this team, and I, I consider myself fairly pragmatic about the Jets and not someone who skews towards being a bit of a homer. I, I've seen sort of a, there's a lack of sort of in-between expectations for them. I've seen some people, I think, grossly uh, underrate them to an extent where they say they have no receivers for Sam Darnold to throw, throw to while completely ignoring guys like Robbie Anderson, Jermaine Curse, and Quincy Inouye coming back from injury and saying that they have the worst roster in the NFL unquestionably. You know, we heard that last year they still won five games, which is about what I had roughly expected last year. At the same time, I think some Jet fans thinking that this team is tailor-made, ready to compete at 9-7, and 10-6, and six, or 11-5, and five, I think are probably out over their skis. To me, as it stands now, this probably feels like a seven-win team, roughly, if they stay healthy, maybe a six-win team. And I know that's not a flashy, exciting improvement on last season, but... AFC weak conference, AFC East outside of New England, weak division. I think the expectation is fair that you exceed your 5-11 and record from the past two years, while I don't think they're going to make the full leap to maybe a winning record or a playoff team this season. But I also don't buy into the talk that this team is unquestionably the worst roster in the NFL and there are no offensive weapons. I feel like that comes from understandably not paying close attention to the team over the past few years and being aware that a guy like Robbie Anderson had seven touchdowns and 900 plus yards with McCown throwing to him and Curse was over 800 yards last year and Anua has been over 800 yards with Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing to him. What are you seeing and what do you think about the general expectations around this team as it sits right now in the summer? Well, it's funny, like that, that's always a primary concern for all fans. And and now it's kind of a secondary concern, right? Because this year is more about sort of building the program uh, around Darnold and just seeing how, how, how uh, that, the promise of Darnold develops over the uh, course of the 2018 season. Um, the, The way that I look at this team, I always tend to sort of overrate the Jets defense only because they've had loaded up on so many top picks. Um, They've had, well-respected defensive coaches dating back, you know, a a decade now. And the defense tends to underachieve. And I think it's because of the lack of of pass rush, which is the most important element in today's game. And that's something that, on paper anyway, you you really can't confidently say that you're going to have that component to your defense. Uh, I'm actually a little bit more confident in the offense, believe it or not. Like, even if Darnold was to play, I think that the Jets' offensive line could be uh, sort of workmanlike. And I think that their skill players are actually quite good. So um, I, I think, and and the key thing is is you have a Mike Shanahan offense now. I think I'll, there's a lot of talk this year in light of what the Rams did in 2017 and reshaping their program on the strength of an offensive uh, system that was modern. Um, and and I think the Jets are, are so people are kind of looking at that now as maybe a leading indicator of a team that could radically improve. Um, and the, but the Jets are not really mentioned as one of these teams, even though uh, you know Bates is is from the Shanahan system. He's basically like almost like a second son to Shanahan, um, and and that is a system that's had great success in the NFL. I mean, when I talk to uh, veteran coaches for the stories that I do, especially for the Wall Street Journal, I mean, uh, Bill Parcells and Brian Billick both independently said to me that if there's one true play calling offensive genius of this generation, and they think that that's generally in a very overrated. Thing. Thing. 
um, it, it was Mike Shanahan. So the Shanahan offense is is uh, is rock solid, and I think that it's it could be uh, the quarterback's best friend. I think it could. Uh, really boost Anunua's value because if you look at him, he comps almost exactly physically to Shannon Sharp, who of course was, um, you know, uh, a Hall of Fame sort of tight end, which is, I guess, what Anunua could possibly be as a move player, a motion player in this offense. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm generally bullish, but I think that if you develop a rookie quarterback, your expectations have to be lower. So I would say, I would say that. Uh, seven wins would be would be a decent season, and six wins would be probably you know six six to eight. I think would be the reasonable range of projecting their their uh, 2018. Taking a quick look over at their defense, and I think you make a good point. I think it's sort of since the Rex Ryan era, it's sort of become this common assumption that yeah, the Jets are going to be great on defense because they have a lot of their names on that side of the ball, and I, I think while players like Leonard Williams and Jamal Adams have shown plenty of potential and are good players. They're, they're far from pro bowl proven all pro caliber players still at this stage of this, their career. They're still young. You know, Tremaine Johnson is obviously a big time addition, which should help, but there's still gaping holes at pass rusher and at linebacker overall. When you look at this unit and you look at jet fans perception of it, do you think guys like Jamal Adams and Leonard Williams are a little bit overrated for what they are, at least to this point of their career? Well, you know, they seem to be miscast in today's game, largely. I mean, Adams' strength is is to be kind of like a box safety and an and a intimidator, and that's that's a the NFL is trying to erase that from the from the game. So, you know, to to have a guy that can. Um, patrol the middle of the field and put fear into receivers on crossing patterns isn't really something that uh, is rewarded in today's game. In fact, it's punished. And Williams is, you, you know, I mean, I think Williams is just a really good sort of like player's player. Like he he is a guy that if you had the right pieces around him would be a guy that, that you know, you maybe would talk about second or third on the defense, but you would be like, and man, Leonard Williams, man, that that guy is just rock solid. But he doesn't have the the uh, pass rusher, I think, that would really make him, you know, elevate his game as a as a more sort of um, a fully dimensional defensive lineman slash and whatever we want to call him. So as it stands today, and I'll put you on the spot a little bit here, how many games does Sam Darnold start this season for the Jets, and what does their final record come in at, and where does that place them overall in the AFCs comparatively to a Buffalo or Miami, working under the assumption that New England will continue their streak of winning the division for 117 years in a row or whatever it is at right now? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly right. Uh, I mean, it, it was it, Revolutionary War, I think, was the last time that the Patriots uh, uh, didn't make the playoffs. But, but I think... Um, uh, my expectation is 16 starts from Darnold. Uh, and, you know, there might be a game where maybe he's had a rough patch, throws a couple interceptions, and they want to just sit him down for a week or something. But basically, I think he's going to be the starter all year. Um, I, I and, and again, it's his development that's the most important thing. You you want to you want to just make sure that he kind of has like an 80-ish passer rating and like a 7-ish YPA. And that his touchdown passes are uh, more than his interceptions. That would be a success. That, that's the that's sort of like the, the the line that you want him to be above. Uh, that would bode well for his future. But um, but I think that 
you know, Bulls is obviously going to coach all out to win games. I do like their offense. I, I think, you know, eight wins, let's call it, let's call it eight wins for the Jets, uh, especially given the, the fact that their schedule is so soft. And when I go through it, it's, it's really easy to give. I think the Jets are actually going to start off really strong and excite people and then kind of crash to earth, but then sort of rebound to finish with seven or possibly eight wins. Well, we've certainly seen that movie before with the uh, the fast start and then the uh, crash at the end. But I agree. Well, I, you've I, seen their schedule, right? Yeah. Like, if you go through it, you're just like, oh, they could win this game. They could win that game. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they walk into Detroit and win. Like, Detroit's uh, – you're, you're getting Detroit at the perfect time. The coach is new. There's dissension. They, you know uh, – I think that you you want to be playing the Lions week one. Yeah, I, it almost reminds me a little bit of that Monday night game they had in Indy week two in 2015, where they had low expectations still, and they you know I think they just caught that team at the right time. And I think I've gotten some questions and feedback. Well, oh, like do you want to do you really want to start Darnold where he's going to have three games in ten days or whatever it is? I don't know if that's the exact number because they have the Monday night or a Sunday game and then a Thursday night game. But if you look at the competition, you're playing Detroit, Miami, and Cleveland. I think that's a, actually a pretty reasonable slate that you'd want him to start with and I think exactly. like you said overall that first I think it's like the first seven or eight games are, are pretty soft I know they have a brutal stretch in December where I think they play Green Bay Houston New England and somebody else like four in a row but that first seven or eight games I think like you said this could very well be a team who's you know maybe four and three or five and three in the first half of the year I don't know how sustainable it is but Week one, and then even the Cleveland game. I, I know everybody's excited about Cleveland right now, but the team is oh, coached exactly. by Hugh Jackson still. Am I right that Hugh Jackson yeah. still the coach? <laughs> I'd, I'd be very surprised if the if the uh, Jets didn't beat the Browns. I mean, the Brown the Browns won zero games. Like you cannot start from a lower, and there and there's problems there with with the quarterback situation. Now that's a mess. The Jets at least have the right guy in McCown. Um, you know you. you you don't want to have a guy who who some people think is actually a good player who's young enough and who could actually perform well and keep your your prospect on the bench and Mayfield should have been drafted to play now like that was the whole argument for Mayfield most pro ready Darnold would be the guy that you would want to wait on I mean the math I wrote the article for 538 when you draft age is so important we we think about this in other sports especially baseball we don't think about it as much in football but the younger you are as a prospect that dramatically increases your, the likelihood for you to have um, a, a, a very a much better uh, pro career and that's you know when you're adjusting for draft order as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more, which is why it's frustrated me in the past when the Jets have drafted older prospects. Hopefully they move away from that a like little bit. Like this year. Yeah, <laughs> yes, which they've continued to do. They, do. they do like one, at least one, sometimes two a year, just I feel like drive me crazy, whether it's our Darius Stewart or Dylan Donahue, and this year with Nathan Shepard. And right. It's just like a reoccurring thing that I just do not understand. And I constantly criticize and constantly get yelled at for criticizing, but the data on it doesn't lie, and I don't understand. Especially at non-quarterback it. positions, because you want to basically your entire goal is when you're drafting a player is you just want to be able to envision this guy on a second contract, and when the guy's 25 to start with, I mean, a second contract, come on, that's a long shot right there. Even if he turns out to be a decent player, I could not agree more. Michael Salafino, Wall Street Journal, 538. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter as well, at Michael Salafino. Thank you again for joining us, and uh, we'll definitely talk again at some point this season. Yeah, my pleasure, Joe.